Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com/fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com/fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. We have a listener named Cindy. Cindy doesn't like aphids. In fact, Cindy hates aphids. And if you're a gardener too, you probably aren't very fond of this plant-sucking insect either. We have aphid control tips for you today. Also, it's cool season vegetable planting time. We have a list of coast-to-coast winners for your garden. And the plant of the week. It's everywhere this time of year, and for a very good reason. They seem to always be in bloom. It's the petunia. We'll tell you all about it on episode 137 of the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. Hi, Fred. This is Cindy from West Roseville. And I have a problem and a couple of answer or a couple of questions for you. First, I absolutely hate aphids. Oh my goodness. I have sprayed them off my vegetable garden while they're especially killing my lemon cucumbers and my watermelons. Sprayed them off four or five times a week. For weeks now. Anyhow, so my first question is, it seems like I still need to spray off all the dead bodies because the leaves still curl if I don't do that. So that's my first question. Second question, I guess, do I still need to spray them off? Will they thrive without having to spend hours a day washing off each individual leaf? Uh, second question, I have well, I have lots and lots of aphid predators in my garden, and I have ladybugs coming, So, and they should be here in a day or two. So my question is, how do I deploy the ladybugs without killing them? I think we have, I haven't checked the week for the, uh, the weather for the upcoming week, but I think it's not going to be, it's going to be pretty nice. So I'm sure love to hear your thoughts on all that. I think Cindy hates aphids, Debbie Flower. She sure does, and I can understand that. When you've got an aphid problem, it's pretty yucky. Thank you for that question, Cindy. By the way, she sent it via speakpipe.com, speakpipe.com slash garden basics. It's the easy, inexpensive way. It doesn't cost anything. You just go to speakpipe.com slash garden basics. Shout out your question, and somehow it gets to me. I don't ask questions how it gets here. It just does. I have a couple of questions about what she's doing. She talked about spraying off the dead bodies of the aphids. Mm-hmm. My concern is, and she talked about how there is all sorts of uh, beneficials there. Mm-hmm. And I would think there would be some beneficial eggs in some of those dead bodies. Could be. Uh, but she said that the problem was alleviated after spraying off the dead bodies, the backs of the leaves. Sounds like she's picking up the leaves, moving them around, spraying the backs as well as, as the front. You got to. Yes. Yes. When I taught, taught pest management, I would go out to the garden, mine or the one at school and take a leaf from some sort of a melon or cucumber or uh, squash um, because in August, that was a great place to find both pests and beneficials. But the fact that the 
the curling of the leaves improves after she sprays with water leads me to believe the plants need more water than they're getting on a regular basis. The dead bodies in and of themselves wouldn't cause leaf curling, would they? No, they wouldn't. No. They're just they're just skeletons. Aphids grow by like a snake grows. They shed their skin and they mm -hmm. come out bigger. So though they're inanimate objects at that point. They are doing nothing. There could be uh, babies, maybe aphids there mm -hmm. that maybe she's not seeing. As you say, there could be beneficials. There could be aphid eggs. Uh, the leaves of these plants tend to be very hairy, and so they give some protection to the both the beneficial and the bad guy. It makes it a little harder for them to meet. Uh, she doesn't say if these are trellised or grown on the ground. Most people grow these plants with the big leaves like the cucumber and the melon on the ground. When we grew one to grow a giant pumpkin. We ended up getting a, a 250-pound pumpkin. We actually put a, a micro-spray irrigation under the leaves hmm. and sprayed it. And that worked very well. The leaves never curled. I suspect she needs to increase the irrigation on these plants uh, to prevent the problem. Aphids are a problem, a bigger problem on more stressed plants than they are on happier plants. Now my question is, where did you find a, a drip irrigation head that would spray a mist upwards? Oh, it's just a, a, a spray that goes out. Okay, an umbrella type an spray. An umbrella type, okay. right, which right. you put on a stake underneath the leaves. Okay. And expand it as the, the vine expanded. We were <laughs> When you're growing a giant pumpkin, you manipulate the vine quite a bit. You mm -hmm. pick which arms you want to let grow, which arms you don't want to let grow. You create the shape, et cetera, remove fruit and that kind of thing. Another option might be, and I used to do this too when I was growing a lot of uh, squash, is to have a hose sprayer, uh, a you know, pump sprayer, uh -huh. dedicated to nothing but water. Mm -hmm. And the arm of that sprayer had a 45-degree bend to it. So you could pump up your sprayer, take that arm stick it under the plant and it would spray up mm -hmm. and wash off the leaves that way. Mm -hmm. Time she consuming. She might just, yes, it's all time consuming. I suggest you just try turning on some additional irrigation. It might be above ground irrigation on your watering days and add water to that, that plant. Mm -hmm. And you might do it later in the day when the temperatures get hot, the air is dry and hot afternoon sometime for, for a little bit to cool the plant off. It can be a protection. The, the curling of the leaves can be a protection from the heat. Reducing the amount of the leaf surface that is collecting sun and heat. Also trapping the stoma, which are on the back of the leaf in general, where the water is released. So it increases the humidity under the leaf. And we've talked about this before on other shows about the fact that some leaves on some plants when a, on a hot afternoon will naturally kind of sag. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, check them in the morning and see if they're still sagging. Then you've got a water issue. Right. So, right. you know, if you're looking at that curling of the leaves and blaming the skeletons, and if you're checking in the afternoon, that might be the issue. Right. She might be watering and cleaning and in the afternoon and then come back the next day and say it's fine and then... Yeah. The day after that, it looks bad again, and it's just a temp. It's called temporary wilting. She had another question. Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, she's. They've fine. done studies on that. Yes, yes. I, I love studies like this. Where uh, you want to do it, or you want me to do it? Go ahead. All right. Davis, UC Davis, did a study. They went to the store and they bought ladybugs. Mm -hmm. They brought them back. They put them in a greenhouse. The greenhouse had ventilation and open doors. They released the ladybugs in the greenhouse. 
95% of them flew away. Yes. They're going back to the Sierra where they came from or someplace else. It is very hard to integrate a a new family into your garden. Well, Lady Beetles uh, hibernate up in the mountains. And apparently there are places that are just coated, rocks and such that are just coated with lady beetles. And people go up there and collect them. When they're done hibernating, their first instinct is to fly up to 25 miles. So they can find a food source and some water and that kind of thing. When you're buying them, they have been collected from hibernation. You're putting them in your garden. They're coming out of their hibernation in your garden. And then they want to fly immediately. So they have come up with some techniques to keep them in the garden. One is you release them in the evening, but prior to releasing them, you spray, you find a plant that's infested with aphids. That doesn't sound like it's going to be a problem for Cindy. And you want to release them on the population of aphids so that they have something to eat. They're going to be hungry. The aphids are a protein source. They also need some sugar. So spray the parts of the plant with sugar water, and that will give them uh, some sugar and some water to drink, and then they can go find aphids. And they will spend, hopefully, some part of their first night on your property. It shouldn't be a difficult to keep them alive in the release process. They'll come in some kind of a container that you can just, once you've prepped your plant with this, the sugar water and you know you've got aphids there, just sort of open the container and let them at it. Yeah, Steve Zion, you've heard him on the show before. He has this formula for releasing ladybugs, which involved uh, getting them, putting them in the refrigerator, spraying them with Coca-Cola. Oh, and then caffeine, too, huh? Yeah. (laughs) So they'll be really active when they wake up. And then uh, placing that. Well, he had two ways of doing it. And one involved spraying it with Coca-Cola on their wings and then sticking an aphid infested branch of something into the bag Mm. with them. So they can start eating right away. They've got the sugar and the water from the Coca-Cola. And it also makes their wings sticky so they can't fly as easily. Yeah. Torture. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They have some protein to eat as well. Yeah. So he's feeding them in prison, basically. Mm -hmm. But and, and then putting that into uh, the area where the aphids really are. So if you have a, a plant that's infested with aphids, you stick that a branch of that plant in with the uh, sleeping ladybugs and then put that beneath the plant so that they don't have to go too far for their next meal. Good idea. They'll probably be crawling yes. for a while. Steve always insisted that, oh, they'll be able to fly. They'd have to get irrigated first to get the stickiness I, off of I, their off of their wings. I would think. I would, unless they lick each other. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, or the ants would lick them yes. for the sugar. So yes. oh, that must be frustrating for a ladybug. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, that that's one idea uh, for uh, keeping ladybugs around. I better like the idea of uh, building the good bug hotel. To att- mm-hmm. attract them. One plant that uh, actually works very well for keeping ladybugs that you have already in your yard through the winter is by planting deer grass. And with deer grass, they will hibernate inside that clump of dying leaves, if the, if you will, during the winter. So you don't prune it back to the ground. You just let those beautiful brown fronds exist. Mm-hmm. And then on the first warm day in February... Go out and check it, and you will start seeing these ladybugs coming out. Mm-hmm. So that's one hotel you could build for them. Yes, easy one. Yep. It does and, very well here. Yes. And I would think the ornamental grasses, uh, 
everybody probably can grow some sort of ornamental grasses that can overwinter in in a brown state. Yes, and it's we've learned by observation to cut our grasses back when they start to die to make them look very neat. But this is a big reason not to. Right, right. To for for shelter for, for shelter. good guys. Yes, yeah. they need a place to. To hide and not be attacked. Yeah, which brings up another good point, too, uh, in regard to Cindy and her uh, aphid problem is, are you cleaning up the garden, Cindy? Or are you leaving plants, old plants around the garden that may have next generation aphids waiting to hatch when the weather warms? Right. And if you have tips of plants that are heavily infested, just cut them off and trash them. Right. We assume when Cindy talked about spraying the aphids, she was spraying water. Right. But another question comes to mind, is she spraying anything else to control any other insects? Because that can, although she says she has the predators, and I hope that's really true. If you, But if you spray, malathion was a big uh, bad guy in this case. If you have a problem and you spray malathion, then uh, you've sprayed, you've killed a lot of beneficials. And mm-hmm. so the bad guys have an easier time of coming in. Right. And as you've learned on this program, the bad guys have sex a lot more often than the good guys <laughs> and have a lot more babies. So they're the first ones to recover after a chemical attack. Yes. Yes. And they're exposed to chemicals over their evolutionary lifetime. So they are have some more resistance than the good guys do. Just like some crops and some weeds. Yes. Yeah. Amazing how Mother Nature works like yeah. that. So there you go, Cindy. I'm glad you've got the beneficial. So uh, sometimes it just pays to be tolerant of certain small populations of aphids and don't worry too much and let the good guys do their work. Mm-hmm. All right, Cindy. Thanks for sending in the question. Debbie Flower, thanks for a good answer. Yeah, you're welcome. We're glad to have Smart Pots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. Smart Pots are the original award-winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. I'm pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this program. My criteria, though, is, is pretty simple. It has to be a product I like, a product I use, a product I would buy again. And Smart Pots clicks all those boxes. They're durable, they're reusable. Smart Pots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit smartpots.com Fred. It's Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next Smart Pot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. Well, here we are in mid-September, and your summer fruit and vegetable harvest is probably still in full swing. And besides picking, eating, and preserving the garden bounty, well, here's a chore you should be adding to your garden to-do list. Removing underperforming summer food plants right now. This will help make room for the cool season crops. For all of us in the Sun Belt, planting through mid-September is the ideal time for starting the fall and winter vegetable garden. Cool season vegetables need the warm soil and long days now to get quickly established. However, they need the cooler weather of the fall to set fruit without bolting to seed and becoming bitter. There are a lot of great cool season vegetable varieties that do well here that you can find at your local nursery, either from their seed rack or via transplants. In addition, I've got some varieties for you that may be harder to find, but they're well worth the search because they're All-America Selections winners. This nonprofit plant trialing organization has tested plants in gardens for over 85 years. 
Each variety was trialed throughout North America by professional, independent volunteer judges who grew them next to comparable varieties that are considered best in class. So you may want to try one or two of these award-winning varieties along with the other tried-and-true cool-season vegetables that are in stock right now at your local nursery. And we'll do this in alphabetical order. Let's start with broccoli. Some of the best varieties to grow and award-winning varieties include Artwork F1, Premium Crop, Green Comet, Cleopatra, and Zenith. By the way, the term F1 does not refer to its uh, auto racing capability. F1 in this case means that it's a hybrid variety of the first generation. Cabbage varieties worth trying include Katarina F1, Savoy Express F1, Dynamo, Savoy Ace, Ruby Ball, and Savoy King. Among the carrots worth trying, Purple Haze F1, Thumbelina, Supreme Half Long, Morse's Bunching. Cauliflowers worth uh, giving a shot include Snow Crown, Snow King, and Ideal Snowball. If you like kale, try Prism F1. For kohlrabi, there's Conan F1, Grand Duke, and Triumph of Prague. Lettuce varieties, and these are loose leaf varieties, Sandy, Red Sails, and Salad Bowl. Swiss chard, oh, you can't beat the very pretty Bright Lights, also an AAS award winner. For turnips, try Tokyo Cross or Just White. By the way, mid to late September is the best time to be planting bok choy, corn salad, peas, radishes, shallots, and spinach. Onion sets and garlic bulbs will start appearing in nurseries in the Sun Belt in late September and early October. So yeah, I know you're busy harvesting summer vegetables, but don't forget about the cool season vegetables to keep your family in fresh food all winter long. don't worry about trying to remember all those cool season vegetable varieties that I just named. And, and don't try to type them into your phone while you're driving. Stop that. Here's the easy way. When you get a chance, subscribe to the new Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. It's on Substack. Now, in the newsletter for this episode, there will be that list of cool season vegetables. I'll have more tips on how to keep ladybugs around your garden, more information about All-America Selections winners of vegetables that you might want to try during the fall and winter. And also, how to attract more beneficial insects to your garden to battle the aphids. As the newsletter grows, so will the subject matter. So yes, it will be a good supplement for the Garden Basics podcast, but there will be a lot more garden-related material. There will be pictures, maybe a mini-podcast, or video garden tips as well. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter on Substack. There's a link in today's show notes, or just go to substack.com slash gardenbasics, or just go to substack.com and do a search for Garden Basics with Farmer Fred. That's substack.com slash gardenbasics. That's one word, Garden Basics. Think of it as your garden resource that goes beyond the basics. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter, which, by the way, it's free. Are you thinking of growing fruit trees? Well, you probably have a million questions, like which fruit trees will grow where I live? What are the tastiest fruits? How do I care for these trees? The answers are nearby. They're just a click away. 
with the informative fruit tube video series at DaveWilson.com. That's Dave Wilson Nursery, the nation's largest grower of fruit trees for the backyard garden. They've got planting tips, taste test results, links to nurseries in your area that carry Dave Wilson fruit trees. Your harvest to better health begins at DaveWilson.com. Every week here on the Garden Basics Podcast, we like to talk with the Superintendent Emeritus of the UC Davis Arboretum and Public Garden, Warren Roberts, because he already always has a plant of the week for us, something that's probably putting a show on where you live right now. And this one definitely is. You can plant this one throughout the country in the summertime. It is an annual. All the, Well, I, I take that back, Warren. It, it's grown as an annual, but I guess in some climates... The petunia would be a perennial. Yes, in fact, in my garden, uh, it, it has proven to be a perennial. Not all of them survive the winter, but a number of them do. It's a, a, a plant that I've grown to like uh, and love, actually, over the years. Uh, you, you know, sometimes plants are kind of common. You say, oh, that's so common. Well, one of the reasons that they're common is that they're easy to grow and successful and beautiful. And that certainly fits the petunia. The name petunia, um, the generic name petunia, actually comes from the Guarani language. The name petun means tobacco in that language. The petunias are native. Well, let's see. There are about 35 species, native mainly to uh, southern Brazil and into nearby Uruguay and Argentina. Some of them have flowers so tiny they're almost impossible to see. But the petunia, the petunia that we grow is actually a hybrid between uh, Petunia axillaris, which has large white flowers and is native to temperate South America, which means areas that are uh, not strictly tropical, and, and it's, it's fragrant. And it's a cross with, with a species called Petunia integrifolia, which has violet-colored uh, flowers. Now, the hybrids uh, have many, many colors in there. There must be hundreds of different kinds. The uh, hybrid is, uh, the botanists call it Petunia hybrid Atkinsiana. But there are other species that have been introduced or hybridized to the Petunia. That species name wouldn't really work. I think it's best just to call them Petunia hybrids. There's Petunia excerta, for example, which has red flowers and is a uh, hummingbird plant from uh, from southern Brazil. Uh, it's also closely related to Calibracoa, another South American um, relative of petunias. This one is called Million Bells, and they look like tiny petunias. Uh, botanists or horticulturists have crossed these two uh, genera, and we have the hybrid, hybrid genus hybrid Petcoa, P-E-T-C-H-O-A, with a multiplication sign in front. I had never seen million bells until I was in Sweden some years ago, and it was everywhere. Um, and I thought, oh, this must be a petunia. But no, it has the, the botanical name Calibracoa. It was named for a, uh, a fellow in Mexico whose last name was Cal y Braco. <laughs> so that's how it got its name. The, the Calibracoas are usually called million bells. But getting back to the petunia itself, so many different forms, and you can use it to spill over a wall or a container. I saw a gorgeous uh, botanic garden in Juneau, Alaska, which which had huge uh, hanging baskets of petunias 
that that uh, trailed more than five feet over the edge of the containers. It's a showstopper, really. Deservedly popular. The petunia is also known as the teenage boy of the plant world because it'll eat you out of house and home. Uh, they, 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 grow, oh. they grow so fast, they do like regular fertilization. Yes, they do, although as long as the soil is moderately fertile, they'll be they're fine uh but they do need they do need water in the dry season and if you're looking for a cascading plant uh trailing off a large pot i i don't think you can beat a, a petunia they just look fabulous uh, as that trailer uh image for uh, vases or for uh, large containers yeah, it's, it's quite splendid, really. The Petunia, there, there's one near you. Check them out. Uh, Warren Roberts, thanks again for the plant of the week, the Petunia. Thank you. Don't forget, the Arboretum at UC Davis is open seven days a week. You can visit it anytime you're in Northern California in Davis. Just uh, check out their website, and you'll find out a lot about it at arboretum.ucdavis.edu. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. Transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show. Plus, you can just listen to the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. There's other helpful links for even more information, including info about the new Garden Basics newsletter. And just like the podcast, it's free. Plus, you'll find more information about how to get in touch with us. Leave an audio question without making a phone call via SpeakPipe. Go to speakpipe.com slash garden basics. It's easy. Give it a try. You can also use your phone to call or text us the question and pictures. 916-292-8964. 916-292-8964. And you can email us, fred at farmerfred.com. And if you tell us where you're from, that's going to help us out greatly to accurately answer your garden questions. Because as I'm fond of saying, all gardening is local. In the show notes, you'll find links to all our social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And there's a link to the FarmerFred.com website. And if you would please, if you hear something you like on the podcast, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's brought to you by Smart Pots. Garden Basics is available wherever podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Google, Podcast Addict, Castbox, and Pocket Casts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it. <laughs>